You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now present the Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Health Hub. I'm Kathy Biasse, your host, and along with Alex Diaz, our producer, I would like to welcome you to our show this morning. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Kathy. How are you doing? I'm well. How are you doing? Not too bad, thanks. Not too bad. I have uh, got my blinds open, getting some light into my house, natural mm-hmm. light, which is always, always lovely when we're yeah. stuck inside, of course, but uh, I'm keeping well. I'm keeping well. Things are well. Good. You know, it's much easier to deal with this when the weather is nice, too. You're right. I'm looking out my window, too. But uh, you know what? All in all, trudging on. And again, today's show is being taped, so no opportunity for calling in. But please do follow us on our social sites. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And we are at the Health Hub RMC on all three sites. And please do feel free to email us at thh at radiomaria.ca. And to subscribe to our podcast, we are the Health Hub on iTunes, SoundCloud, and all your favorite podcast platforms and you can also find our podcast on the radio maria canada website which is radiomaria.ca and on my website which is kathybiasse.com so alex i was reading um before the show today i just like to skim the news to see if there's anything interesting and i came across um a, a good article in in body about um you know, people are a little bit anxious of going to see the doctor. Maybe the practitioner they're looking for isn't uh, available or seeing people. So we're in a bit of a, a challenging time here, uh, medically perhaps for some. So the article actually was about uh, self-exams you can do at home to sort of, you know, keep a maintenance on your health between appoint- appointments. So I thought it was really quite good. It was written by a man named Alex Palmer. So I thought I'd share it with you. Okay. So he had five things that you can do to take care of yourself and to check in, um, you know, with, with different aspects of health. And one is checking your skin for moles or spots. So this is something that actually most of these things are done on a monthly basis. Um, you know, standing in front of the mirror, looking to make sure that um, none of the moles have changed in, you know, diameter and shape and color and, if they have, you know, this is an indication that you'll want to be following up with, with your practitioner. But um, a good idea to, to take a look at um, your moles and freckles and so forth and have your partner do it sometimes on the back. They're harder to see. So I thought that was very good of him to bring forward. Um, the second area that uh, he mentioned was uh, breast self-exam. We've talked about this on the show. Um, and this should be done on a monthly basis. So in the shower, uh, women are encouraged to do this. You know, this is all preventative type of medicine, but especially in this time, as I said, where we may not be seeing our caregivers as routinely, doing a breast self-exam is important, um, 
you know, you put your hands up over your head, feeling your armpits all around the breast. And of course, if you're noticing changes in the nipple area or you find any lumps to follow up with that too. And for men, a testicular self-examination once a month, again, with the same understanding that if there's a change in a testicle to follow up with your medical practitioner. These are all kind of common sense things, but again, important during this time. Another one was um, that he brought forward and something that I didn't consider too much was taking a look at your eyes. And obviously if your vision changes, that's something that stands out quite readily to you, but actually looking at the whites of your eyes, taking a good look in the mirror at yourself. And you can do a, um, sort of an at-home eye test with, you know, having a space that you're regularly looking at in the distance and then something a little bit closer and then, you know, maybe a piece of reading material and keeping that routine and, you know, mm-hmm. checking every once in a while. And if that spot that was clear is not clear anymore, you know, maybe you need a prescription change or following up with that. So that was that was an interesting one that um, I had never quite thought of, but uh, something else to, to take into consideration. And finally, doing a dental check. So seeing if your teeth are discolored or really looking at the behind the teeth and seeing if you've got plaque build up there. As we speak now, I don't think that the dentist offices are open for cleanings, but um, I think that they're open for emergency, but you can get ahead of that. You know, there are lots of products on the market now you can buy. I don't know if you use them. I don't actually, it's been recommended, but the, the water picks as part of dental care. Um, so getting that can really help remove plaque and, um, you know, doing the flossing, regular good dental hygiene is important, but I, I just thought it was a very good idea. There are lots of other areas you can certainly take in into consideration and under advisement, but I think we need to take our health a little bit more into our own hands during this time. So some a good a good thought and some five good points um, that he brought forward. So I thought I'd I'd bring them forward to you. That's really interesting. Yeah, you're right. We we then we tend to obviously we rely on professionals to guide us to a degree but it's up to us and we should do our best do our part to uh, be proactive and try and I I don't want to be don't want to say um um you just have to be mindful of yes of, of what what your body is telling you, right? A hundred percent. You're right. And I think that was sort of the point of his art. There's so many things, right? You can take a look at your nails. I mean, nails are a good indicator of health. And if there's a change in the nails, hair, all things like that. So I, I think you're right. I think the over overarching part of his article is, is being mindful, but um, it was timely. And I thought it was some good advice for everybody to, to take um to take uh, with them throughout the day and as we move forward and in, in sort of our, our new normal here. But on to today's show. Now, this is, um, she's a friend of mine, Dr. Vashna, and I met her uh, oh, several years ago when I first started practicing. And um, she's developed into a very successful practitioner Uh, dealing in the area of fertility. That's her specialty. And I know I'm going to say her last name wrong, so she can correct me 
um, during the show. It's Dr. Because she got married. So I knew her name quite well before she was married. And this is uh, a new name. And it's, it's I'm doing my best here, Dr. Vashna. So it's Dr. Vashna Santhananthan. And she enjoys seeing patients of all ages, maintaining a general family practice, as well as offering IV therapy to other patients of other clinics. She has a specialty uh, area in women's health, pediatrics, fertility, and hormonal health. Her treatment approach focuses on individualized care and combines clinical nutrition, botanical medicine, acupuncture, and lifestyle counseling to help her patients achieve their optimal health. And as I mentioned, she is has developed a nice practice and specialty in infertility, which is what our show is about today. And we will be learning about preparing for pregnancy and why it's important to prepare your body for pregnancy, how modifying diet and lifestyle can impact fertility, and tips for preparing for childbirth. So these are some of the main points we will be talking about. And we will be back to talk to Dr. Vashna in a few minutes. Praise to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, our God and our King. To Him we will sing. In His great mercy, He has given us life. Now we can be called the children of Sons and daughters of our God. 
You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome back to the show, everybody. As mentioned, our show is taped again today, but please do follow us on our social sites. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and we are at the Health Hub RMC. And feel free to email us at radiomaria.ca, T-H-H at radiomaria.ca. Dr. Vashnaut, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me, Kathy. It is a pleasure to join you today. Now you're working from home, are you, as with I- most of us? I am, yes, working from home. It's, it's nice that the temperature has come up and at least we have a little sun now. And you've got a little one. Let's, let's tell everybody the story here. So you've got a little one and you're faced with, you know, working at home and trying to keep a toddler happy. How's that going? Uh, it's, it's interesting. I think uh, I have come to learn to live in the moment and really <laughs> that we can only go day by day. So I have a brand new toddler and that she just turned one a few weeks ago. And so with that comes lots of activity and a whole new voice. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of learning to roll with the punches with working from home and tag teaming childcare hour by hour some days. So it's Certainly been, not expected, been, eh? Certainly yeah. not expected when you had the baby a year ago. I know. It actually is very much a surprise. We're, we're grateful to have more time with her, but we did not expect this to be how we would enter toddlerhood. Well, you know what? I think everyone is doing, especially you young moms who are at work, I think it's just amazing how creative you are being with your day and your time. So kudos to you for sure. So I want everyone to get sort of a background about you. What made you get into naturopathic medicine and then, you know, developing this this line of specialty in the fertility area? So uh, that's a great question. So I've been practicing uh, for some time now, about six years or so. I completed my undergrad at the University of Waterloo in biomedical sciences. And in my fourth year, I was beginning to look at what else I wanted to do, where else I wanted to take uh, my career to. I always enjoyed working with patients um, and working in a a kind of a clinical setting. I volunteered at a hospital quite some time in high school. And so I considered various fields, optometry. I think I considered dentistry at one point. I also looked at um, traditional medical school. And I came across naturopathic medicine through a seminar, kind of a welcome seminar that they did at the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine. Uh, Currently, there are two schools, um, one in Toronto, the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine, and then a school out in BC. So I went to a seminar. And really what spoke to me were the tenets of our medicine and the first one is first one of the first ones is first do no harm and really looking at the patient as a whole and I thought what a unique approach to patient care to really set the field of having the care revolve around the patient and not around the disease and that really is what uh, naturopathic medicine is to me to really look at the patient as a whole to consider not only what they're coming in for what the symptom is but really their entire being from their household to their family to their work to stress to what they eat their exercise and really taking all those pieces 
of their life, putting it together to kind of figure out how to jigsaw uh, their health into a way that works for them. And really the fact that we can not only look at what's under the Band-Aid and say, okay, you know, we can, we can just give you this and make sure that you feel better now. But we also want to make sure that you feel better, you know, 10, 20 years from now. And so that's really kind of what took me to naturopathic medicine. I thought it was a unique um, and a different way to look at health and well-being and to really begin to look at the person and not the disease. That's amazing. Now, when you started off, did you have this specialty of fertility in mind or was it a couple of years into practice before you land on it? What, what made you go in that direction? Because really it's not, someone's not coming in saying they don't feel well. Yeah. This is not a, you're fixing a, a, a symptom of illness, so to speak. So what made you get down that pathway? That's actually a great, a, gr- a great concept because it, it, it was a taboo, I would say, when I first started practicing. I think over time, um, with education and knowledge and social media, fertility has become much more of an opaque and wider concept. But what was unique to me is I would work with these um, individuals, particularly young women between the ages of 25 and 30, and they would be newly married, starting their careers, um, beginning to kind of settle into a new role, a new chapter in their life. And often it wouldn't be fertility be would be the primary concern. They would come in with another issue, for example, um, a digestive concern, a constipation. However, over time during our appointments, you know, as we began to work on their health and we would begin to have these deeper conversations, one of the nice things um, with our appointments is we do have the time to go into other aspects of their health. And it would come up on, um, you know, I've been married for a few years from now. I've kind of noticed that, you know, we're ready to have a family. I've sort of been trying for the past little while. I've talked to my medical doctor about it, but they keep saying, you know, I have to try for a year before we can consider um, ruling out other causes or infertility. And so often this became the story um, that I would hear in office of infertility becoming an issue and oftentimes one that unfortunately wouldn't be immediately addressed. You know, it was keep trying, you've only been married for a year, less than that. You know, it has to really be over a year before we can consider this. Or So what that story became was to really say, okay, this is certainly becoming something of... Uh, of a common thread among today's population. Um, And so how can we begin or how can I begin to support these individuals that are walking through the clinic uh, in addressing this? And so I started, you know, with one patient and that slowly led to another and a third. And then uh, there became an opportunity to connect patients with different fertility clinics and through that evolved into the practice that I have today, which is working with young women um, and women of all ages um, in 
fertility and also in balancing off their hormones and their overall health. You know, one of the main things is I often tell my young, young, young patients, and you know, you are really setting the foundation up for now for 10, 15, 20 years from now. Mm-hmm. And the last thing I want us to have is in five years from now, you're going to come back newly married and say, you know, we're trying and we, we can't unfortunately conceive. So if we can address these um, difficulties, you know, with your periods or, your hormones now and address and create that solid foundation. We really can therefore leap you right into motherhood and fertility when the time is right. And that's not an issue that's talked about as much as I think it should be. And again, you know, we talk about preventative medicine, the in preventative medicine, many people don't take that seriously until they've had an issue. So I think it's, it's great that you're trying to cultivate in younger kids younger women, um, the idea that let's prepare your body for motherhood, you know, get your body in the right shape because the the health of the mom really dictates the health of the pregnancy and the health of the child. But why would you say, Dr. Vashna, that are we just being called to attention about these issues or is this becoming more of a pervasive problem because of some underlying area or areas of, of health? I, I think that's a great question. I, I do think it is twofold. I do think we are being called upon because now with the advancement in technology and the care available, we can now say, you know, the, this is what it is. Um, but I also think part of it is underlying. We are a far more stressed out uh, population, particularly in times like today with COVID, than I think we have been in, in kind of in history. And so we are stressed out, overworked, um, lack lack of sleep, not eating as well. And so these factors can all contribute to your health. One of the most amazing things to me was that. When I was pregnant, I thought of this quite often. My mother was carrying me when she was pregnant, but she was also carrying the genetics of what is now my daughter. And so really evolutionary, her genetics have been not only you know within me, but technically held within my mother for over three lives now, like she's now the third life. And so really beginning to address, you know, the, the imprint that is present from the start of us. And I think oftentimes, you know, when you think of pregnancy, it's like you're going to go away for a weekend or you're going on a honeymoon and boom, you get pregnant, all is well, you know, there falls out the baby, the swan drops. But mm-hmm. I often tell patients, you know, it takes, how long does it take to get pregnant? You know, it takes almost a year, a good 10, 10 months, um, sometimes a little long, shorter, sometimes a little longer, um, and that you go over your due date. So if it takes up to a year to uh, have, have a baby, then you have to work backwards. And it really will take up to sometimes at least a good year to prep the body and not only for yourself but also for your partner and so if you instantly think I'm going to be able to create a baby tomorrow yes in some cases 
that may work with your next cycle. But in most cases, there often has to be a good foundation set up. And so I think that knowledge now is what is changing the paradigm and bringing um, awareness to infertility. And I also think that there are now many different ways to have a child. I have um, patients that are now considering um, or have done freezing their eggs. You know, they don't have a partner present, but they're looking at getting their health ready, freezing their eggs so that when the time comes and they're ready, they can proceed with uh, fertility treatments and have a child. I also have had patients that have considered surrogacy. So I think now the more that these avenues are available, um, we are being given the opportunity to address them. So why would you freeze eggs at a young age? So that's a great question. Um, So we know that from uh, a health view or maternal view, when you consider looking at your fertility or looking at um, conceiving, it is often recommended to do before the age of definitely before the age of 40, but generally speaking, your prime age is before 35. So I do have patients that come in um, that are, you know, approaching whether or not it's from their career or changes in lifestyle, but they're approaching becoming a little over, over 35, over 40. So really looking at um, their health, they said, you know, this is my prime time. This is when I know that I am in the best reproductive state. I haven't met the partner that I have yet, but I do know I want to have children. So if that is something that you do know, and I say you are in an age um, where you are getting older, you know, 33, 34, 35, etc and you haven't met a partner yet but you know you'd like to have children you really need to consider the aspect of freezing your eggs and i do think this is something that's not talked about quite often mm-hmm. um, i know for example for myself if i didn't have children and if i'm in the life i am now nor did i have a partner i would seriously consider freezing my eggs and i tell patients that Um, just as a matter of fact, straight. And I do have this conversation when I do have patients come in. I do now approach it in a very frank manner. You know, where do you see yourself in a year, five years, 10 years from now? And if you do see yourself having children, great, we need to work on that. And if you have a partner, great. You know, what's your timeline? But I really do begin to push patients to now think about it because it's not just, you know, a snap of your fingers and your fairy godmother is going to unfortunately drop your child. It does take time. It does take work. And you really need to invest in your health from the get-go because really you are carrying that genetic imprint of your child from the moment you are born, from the moment you are conceived. So you're working integratively with the medical staff of your patients or is this something, is this a different um, lane altogether? So I always encourage patients to open the lines of communication between um, different healthcare providers, whether it is with your medical doctor and your naturopathic doctor, your naturopathic doctor and your chiropractor, your dentist and your naturopathic doctor. Um, so we do work with fertility doctors um, across Ontario, even across Canada. Um, and I do encourage patients to keep that dialogue open. I find now that in the realm of fertility, there has been a very big shift in integrative care um, among uh, different professions. And so we do work with medical doctors and fertility specialists in a patient's care. So if a patient, I always say if a patient is um, interested in fertility or in 
seeking integrative care to approach it from both sides, right? You do need to have medical care done for the proper workup, for the ultrasounds, but you also need to address your diet, your lifestyle, your supplements. Um, you cannot really just go and pick up anything from the store and take it. Really, we need to look at you as a whole and ensure that you're doing the right things um, from your supplements to your diet to the medical blood work and ultrasounds being done. Um, back to the egg freeze. This is something that interests yeah. me. This would have to be done through a medical doctor, correct? Or is it a correct. private clinic or how is yeah, that arranged? So, so the procedure itself of egg freezing would be done through a fertility clinic. Um, so you would work with a fertility specialist. There are um, procedures that you would do in terms of the um, medication that you'd be done, blood work that'd be done, ultrasound that would be done. Um, but you also would want to work with a naturopathic doctor. Um, that can also assist you with overseeing your diet, your lifestyle, and maybe what as supplements that would help tailor um, the procedure so that you really your end goal is that you want to get a good set of eggs that are healthy, that are viable, and that can be used in future settings um, should, should you wish to go through with having a child. So I always encourage both sides. To, you know, to arrange with both sides to do it. So what percentage would you say uh, are considering doing this? Are you finding that there are a lot of women who are delaying childbirth um, and doing this procedure? It's very interesting to me. It's a new subset, I would say, that I'm now just encountering in practice. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think women are delaying it and therefore getting, um, you know, a egg retrieval done or egg egg freezing done. I think it is something that is now coming up as a topic because of now the conversations and the access to medical care available. I do think that now women that are over um, a certain age, and now I see, you never really classify it as an age per se, right? You mm-hmm. can also have those that are much younger in their career and that are starting off in their 20s, but they're, I'm just giving you an example in the software industry and they're all about the tech startup and work and they just want to get their career set. So they know they eventually would like to have children um, are also considering it. But I do think it's a new subset that I'm now seeing and encouraging um, because I do think that women are now, you know, feeling more empowered in both their careers and in their and in their personal life. So if it is one where they're saying, okay, I do know I want to have children. I do want to have children. This is something I'm considering. I always encourage them um, to work with a fertility clinic and there are, um, are quite a few great ones in Ontario um, and have that conversation with the fertility specialist so that they are educated. Because I really do think when you are educated, um, you are empowered to make the best decision. One of the biggest, really heartbreaking moments I see in practice is when I see women that are older and they said, if I had only known, right? If I had only known that I could freeze my eggs or if I'd only known that I was most, you know, I was in my prime when I was in my early 30s, but I always thought I'd get easily pregnant if I had only known. And that is really the words that I hate hearing Mm -hmm. in practice because if I had only known, it can change so much. So now I, Having heard that story, I am now very frank and approach it from the other way with younger patients. And I say, you know, I'm not saying that everyone is infertile and everyone needs to go out and freeze their eggs. But I do think if you begin to educate yourself on the different options, the more you know, the more of an informed choice you can make. And I really think taking the veil off the shame of infertility is key. And Mm -hmm. so 
it doesn't have to be that you, when you are trying is when you begin to look into fertility. That's one of the biggest misconceptions, I think. I always tell patients, you know, I have a wonderful patient um, and she is just starting off her career and she's in her prime and we are working on different cases um, within her health. But I always advise her, you know, at the end of the day, in five, 10 years from now, we, we've had this conversation where you do want to have children. Let's ensure that we get your body into the right state and right place. And so when I do have patients that are older and say, you know, we are in the right state and right place, and one that came up was, I do want to have children, but I haven't met the partner yet. I'm starting off my career. So we began exploring um, the topic. Excellent. I think it's a very interesting uh, subject, and uh, I'm very glad that we broached it because uh, it is something new um, in this area of healthcare. And I, I absolutely agree with you that we need to take off that veil that um, infertility is something to be embarrassed about. Uh, Dr. Vasher, we're going to take a quick break here, and everybody, we will be back to continue this conversation. I woke up in darkness, surrounded by silence, so where, where have I gone? I woke to reality Losing its grip on me Oh, where Where have I gone? Cause I can see the light Before I see the sun
You are listening to The Health Hub, here on Radio Maria Canada. A Catholic voice wherever you are. To contact us and be a part of the show, email thh at radiomaria.ca. We now continue with the program. Here once again is your host, Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. We are talking with Dr. Vashna about fertility, infertility, preparing the body. Now, we spent the whole time, the first half, Dr. Vashna, we talked a lot about women, and um, we talked about freezing eggs and so forth. And to me, we've left out a key piece of this uh, puzzle, which is the partner in the relationship. And is it fair to put all the onus on women in preparing for pregnancy? No, (laughs) it is not fair. I will leave that up front. And I do tell patients that up front. We really have to consider both partners when we are looking at a couple um, that is looking to have a child, Um, whether it is an assessment. And I always tell the the, the patients, because I generally do see the female um, first uh, before the male, but we need to have... Oh, I hear you, little one. (laughs) Working at home at its finest. There you go. (laughs) You know, real real life is what I say. (laughs) IRL in real life. Don't uh, you worry about her. You just keep plowing through. That's just (laughs) fine. It adds a great ambiance to everything. Well, it's also a great uh, factor that her dad is now taking care of her. So, you know, (laughs) it goes to show you. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) This is prime evidence that you do need two partners involved in and care mm-hmm. for a, a child. So I often do tell, uh, do tell my, my female patients that at one, at one point or another, you do have to consider having your partner evaluated. And many times also this will come up in the fertility clinics where they do also need to, to have the partner come in for a visit for consultation and have workup done. Because just as much as it is um, the female, it can also be the male. So in terms of those parameters, what I often do advise is for the male partner to also seek care. And that can be through seeing another naturopathic doctor if they're not comfortable seeing the same doctor as their spouse. So oftentimes I work with um, a male, we have a wonderful male naturopathic doctor in our clinic. So I often um, will say, you know, the partner's more, more welcome to see a male. Sometimes they're more comfortable with a male, mm-hmm. um, but they do need to be evaluated um, with their fertility specialist. And also um, it would be wise and recommended to also have their diet, their lifestyle, their supplements evaluated because oftentimes small tweaks here or there can make a world of a difference. And and we're not talking here about, you know, the topic isn't just about infertility, right? We're talking yeah. about preparing the body as best as possible to get pregnant and to have a healthy pregnancy. So you've talked about, you know, we've skirted around the diet and lifestyle, stress yeah. management. What do you think are the key pieces in preparation and during pregnancy for the health of mom and baby? Um, that's a great topic. So the first is you really have to take a look at your lifestyle as a whole, right? If you are working, you know, in a crazy startup, 80 hours a week, you are working 10, 12, 14 hours a day, no breaks, you barely have time to pee, well, we have to begin to reevaluate your lifestyle. Because really, we need to make sure, and I always often told, I told a patient this, remember, like if you're building a house, 
you cannot expect to go live in the living room with having the windows and the doors not put in, right? You're not, you're going to be cold you know, or hot in today's weather, but you're not going to be comfortable. So we really have to ensure that the tenants that I say are, our lifestyle, how your living situation is, how your stress levels are, and then also taking a look at your diet, your exercise, and your overall well-being. So I often say before a patient really begins to broach that subject of infertility or that are pregnant or looking to become pregnant, the first thing is to consider when you last got a full physical done. And it's interesting because many patients say, yeah, I don't even recall the last time I got blood work done. Or I don't even recall going to see my medical doctor. So we really need to identify the basic tenets in your in your blood chemistry, in your body. And do you have enough iron? Are you... Do you have any issues with your liver? Are you having adequate amounts of vitamin D that's needed for fetal formation? How's your B12 like for your energy and your neurological health? You know, and are we making sure all your other parameters are in set? Is your cholesterol okay? Do we have to be uh, monitoring your sugar levels? So I often say we need to start by ensuring the basic tenant of your body is in a good place. So getting some blood work done and lab work um, done um, or the last physical, taking a look and seeing what did we need to work on and how, how have we come so far. And then taking a look at your lifestyle. Like I said, we need to make sure these tenants are in place in your lifestyle so that you know, you're know you in a comfortable, relaxed place. If you think of a fetus, it doesn't want to be in a high-stress environment. It wants to be cocooning in nice, you know, quiet, still amniotic fluid. Um, and then we also have to take a look at your exercise and what you're eating. Anything that you're putting into your mouth is going to go to your fetus. They eat what you eat. You know, there is um, there are so many studies to show the benefits of a good diet and lifestyle on uh, on your well-being and also on fetal well-being. So I often say get some. Um, let's take a look at your last lab work or to get some blood work done. Taking a look at your diet. So often this is like, oh, let's just do a seven-day diet diary and see what you're eating on the day-to-day and how we can work on that. And also let's take a look at making sure we get you into a good place with some exercise and perhaps a meditation. How can we implement that? So those basic three things, you know, lifestyle slash diet, um, our lifestyle with diet and exercise and taking a look at your health and well-being from a molecular blood chemistry standpoint um, are my keys because we really have to create, again, like I, I keep implementing that basic foundation in order to have you thrive for not only your well-being, but also for the fetal well-being. Do you touch on any environmental medicine when you're doing this? Because, you know, we've often talked about the toxins that are surrounding us. Is this a, a piece of the puzzle, do you think, or is it not too, too involved in, in fertility? I do think that is an important piece of the puzzle, and it is part of uh, our lifestyle workup. Um, and that is, again, part of our oath in terms of our care that we provide is taking a look at uh, – the person as a whole, and also doctor as teacher. Um, that's one of our tenets. Is when you talk to many people about environmental pollutants, it's interesting to to hear. Uh, sometimes it's a surprise that you have patients go, "Oh, I never really thought of that." You know, and mm-hmm. simple things like switching your plastic for glass is your shower curtain plastic. Maybe we can consider cloth so that way when hot water hits it. Um, 
we're avoiding leaching of plastic, for example, something as simple as that we can change. Or, you know, if you are buying your berries, maybe let's consider doing um, a little soak with, uh, you know, bicarbonate so that you can wash that junk out before you begin to consume them. Or what can we switch in your diet to make it a bit healthier for you um, and less exposure? So I often do that as part of our workup, but we want to also make sure it's manageable and sustainable. So that way you're not feeling overwhelmed that these are again changes that you can implement over 10 20 years from now yeah it's it's interesting the impact that environmental medicine is having or environment is having on all aspects of care and uh yeah i mean have you noticed i don't know if you do studies along this avenue but is fertility being impacted more these days and before as to before time that we got, you know, the internet and all this, or do you just feel that again, it's this knowledge piece Uh, to me, it's like, have you seen your practice grow because there's been an, an issue or is it just because we have all the knowledge that there could, could be, you know what I'm saying? Like it, fertility was never been, it was never a huge thing back when I was having kids. It just seems mm-hmm. to be a, a very unvogue topic right now. And I'm just wondering if that's because there are more issues. It's, it's a combination of both. Yeah. I think okay. that the research that is now coming out and also the fact that we have way more exposure mm-hmm. um, to different environmental pollutants, um, than we have in the past and so i think unfortunately because of that um compounded over time has led to the fact of where we are right now Mm -hmm. now so you've explained you've just had a baby you are a new mom what did you were you surprised at anything going through the process of your pregnancy (laughs) having your baby, um, I'd love for you to share with everybody, as someone who specializes in working with uh, people in fertility, what your process was during your first, pro- uh, your first pregnancy. I laugh or I smiled on the other side because <laughs> if I only knew, right? Um, mm-hmm. So it is, a, it is quite a journey and I say everyone's experience is quite different. And so the first thing I always encourage patients from the start to the end is you cannot compare your story uh, to anyone else's right comparison is really the thief of joy um and so i think that's a Brene brown quote so um, <laughs> i try and we'll give her due that. credit we'll give her due credit <laughs> right? um, but if you really want to have your journey be your journey which is what one of the first things i say and i often tell patients um one of the things that i wish i did more but i encourage is to journal right um journal during the entire process um whether you are trying whether you are, have already conceived, whether you are pregnant, whether you're about to be due, whether you have a newborn screaming, but you have five minutes and you want to write down something cute she said, try and journal. It's interesting when we keep a recollection and have a place where we have an outlet for our emotions and our well-being. Um, number one. Number two, I say I had a really um, great pregnancy. Uh, my due date was May 5th of 2019. I worked up until May 3rd, um, assisting the naturopath who was going to be locoming or taking over my practice. And I was just flying. I, you know, patients were just like, what are you still doing here? And I was like, I love it here. 
Um, so I had a great pregnancy. However, I did not have a great delivery. Um, and so that is something that I'm very open about with patients and I'm very open about with new moms because, you know, the, the expectation is often not reality. So I often tell patients when you are now in the end stages of your pregnancy, you're going through your pregnancy, I often advise to check in. So do do a check in, you know, when you are first pregnant um, with your fertility specialist, your medical doctor, your naturopath to say, okay, I'm now pregnant. What are the things that I should be doing? What are the things that I should be taking? And so that often will set you up, you know, what is, what is a good prenatal for me? Because again, the prenatal that your friend may be on may not be the best prenatal for you or the prenatal that's just recommended at Costco may not be the best prenatal for you. So getting yourself set up on a good regimen diet, exercise, supplement-wise, when you first find out your pregnancy, when you first do that test. Then I say another check-in. Um, once that uh, ultrasound is done, often at the six, seven-week mark, just to see how you're feeling. Because oftentimes there, you experience, you begin to experience the first trimester symptoms, whether it's nausea, whether it's fatigue, backaches. We can begin to address that through holistic view, whether we look at um, doing some physical therapies, getting you in for massage, doing acupuncture, um, supporting you with some supplements to ease that nausea, changing that diet a little bit to help relieve that nausea and ensure that you aren't throwing up, you know, every hour or two. And then another check-in just at the end of the first trimester, just to make sure things are going well. And then doing a check-in around um, the anatomy scan, so about the 20-week mark to see how you're doing, how the baby is, how things are. And then um, again, towards the end of the pregnancy, so around, you know, week 36 to check in with your naturopath about preparation for labor and delivery. And so we will have the discussion about the um, different types of delivery, you know, whether it's vaginal, water birth, C-section, and also who's involved in your care. So if you have a midwife, if you're with your OB, um, did you want a doula? And beginning to uh, amass that your team really to help support you and I know right now with COVID it is very different um, in today's mm -hmm. setting and how things are so in that case working with patients to ensure that they are set so that when they go into the hospital they feel as comfortable as possible and you know simple things is making sure that you have you know the right snacks with you because all the cafeterias are closed so do you and your partner have everything you need um, how to best set up yourself in the hospital because you know once you go and you can't leave um, and how to ensure that both you and your partner feel supported particularly during this time and so um, getting those tenants set up and so when it came to my delivery um, I actually had quite a lot long delivery or labor I should say it was about 55 hours um, and it was prodromal and I ended up with an emergency c-section and so from that I have learned to best work with patients on setting up for both avenues. I know most people would prefer a nice, easy vaginal delivery and you just pop out, you sneeze, you pop out that baby. <laughs> and I've had girlfriends tell me that story and I say now, oh my gosh, have, I should, should know not to compare. <laughs> but oh my gosh, what a great way that would be. So preparing patients for both avenues. And I say, we want you to have the easiest delivery, the one that follows your birth plan, the one that you want we also need to prepare in case you do need to go for an emergency C-section, if the you know for whatever case there is. And so, um, from that experience, I've learned and I encourage patients to 
keep in mind both scenarios so that it is not a shock care system uh, when you come out on the other side. And so working with patients and ensuring that they're set up pre-labor um, at the hospital and when they come home. Mm-hmm. And especially coming home now, it's a good thing you touched on that because uh, you know and I know that you walk in and you walk out and it's a new life. And that can be a little shocking. Everything is turned around. You're now responsible for this little one. And during this time, you know, I'm sure you had lots of family helping you and I did. And because of the situation at hand with COVID, some new moms may find an added stress because they are not able to have people in to help them. Do you have, I know we're pushing towards the end of this, but do you have any tips that you could give these new moms to help offset this actual added stress of not being able to maybe have the full team and the full family members around that they envisioned when they got pregnant? That's a great point. And my heart is with every um, Mm -hmm. pregnant mom at this time. The biggest thing is to let go of the expectation. I think we, you know, envision sometimes a different way to have everyone around. Um, And so it's like that that expectation. Secondly, to be very vocal with um, your family and that they can still help, whether it is sending you an Uber Eats gift card, leaving food out on the porch, you know, and then having your spouse go pick it up, um, or just making sure that you do, they do daily FaceTime check-ins and calls to still maintain that connection. So I say be vocal and ask for help on what you need and what you truly need. And to be honest, right now, Everyone wants their families around to hold their babies and to be present, but your family can still help in many other means. And so ask for help in the food department, number one, because you need to eat and sustain yourself. Let go of the expectation on what you thought it would be. Your house is going to be a wreck. Unfortunately, your family's not going to be there, but that's okay. This too shall pass and it will pass. And the third thing is to ensure that you continue to take care of yourself and your spouse. And so um, if your spouse can be around for a little bit longer than possible, I would say encourage that. We've recently had friends that have given um, birth, and so um, the spouse is now taking a four-week time off for pot leave instead of a two-week, which is great to help the mom. And then the third thing is, you know, to to ensure that you still connect with your family, whether it's through FaceTime and phone calls, because we are in a nice part of technology right now where you can FaceTime anytime you want or Skype or WhatsApp or Zoom calls and to do that and encourage that. Great ideas. It's um, We have friends, they're having their first grandbaby in the next couple of weeks. And I know both of them, just as another added tip for family members who who just want to be there, um, they've self-quarantined and they're self-quarantining so that they are able to see the baby when the baby arrives. Just one other tip. I thought it was a great idea. Dr. Vashna, this has been a a great conversation. Um, Where can people find you as a resource if they're looking for someone to help? Uh, so uh, they can always find me um, at www.silverspruce.ca, all one words. I am practicing at a clinic with a wonderful team of naturopathic doctors located in Markham, Ontario. And so they can find me there and send an email or give us a call if they have any questions or concerns. And as always, I encourage all patients and anyone listening to touch in with your medical provider um, if there are any essential 
essential care questions if you are pregnant or about to, labor, to deliver to know that you know their team is still available via phone calls and Zoom or video consults if needed. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Great conversation. And everybody, um, thank you for joining us, Dr. Vashna. Thank you for taking the time out from your little one to talk with us. We really do appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Kathy. Be safe and be well. Thank you. And everybody, we'll talk to you next week on The Health Hub. to The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi, here on Radio Maria Canada.